Hi there and welcome to The Brave, a podcast all about resilience. I'm your host, Beth and Vincent, and each week we explore resilience through a different lens. And essentially we answer the question of how do you thrive and survive in the 21st century and all the kind of challenges and complexity that comes with life today. And we look at resilience from the point of view of emotional resilience, physical resilience and resilience of systems and businesses. So this week we have a Marmite topic, I would say. Uh, It's something that has been identified by employers as one of the top skills they're looking for across the board, but it's also something that a lot of people really hate doing, and I'm one of them, actually, to be honest. Um, I really struggle with it sometimes, and it's, it's selling things. It's selling yourself, it's selling ideas, concepts, whatever, but it's convincing other people to buy into your idea at the end of the day is the way I like to think about sales. And I am a marketeer, so I sit a bit on the other side of the fence, but it's still something I have to do and have to think about. But I thought I'd get an expert in to talk to you about selling and actually cold calling, because that's, again, a very Marmite topic. People mostly hate hearing from cold callers yet it's kind of a job that lots of people do so how does that add up and John our guest is going to be talking to us about kind of how to be a good cold caller how to kind of pitch yourself in an environment where the other side don't necessarily know exactly of you before or they haven't heard of your service or your product how to deal with rejection in sales because I think that's a big fear of, of doing sales personally that's something that I get hung up on I hate being told no and that's what puts people off so how to deal with that and then also kind of how to convince the other side of your proposition as well. So we're going to dive straight into it. It's a really interesting episode and it has a lot of practical applications in people's work, whether you're a freelancer, solopreneur, you work for an employer or you run your own business. At some point, all of us are selling something, even if it's just ourselves. My name is John Cunningham. I've been involved in business development or sales or um that sort of thing if you like but for for a long time um i started off selling if you like uh when i was a child um my dad was a was an accountant but uh he was also an antique dealer on the side so i used to sort of follow him up to london and buy and sell stuff when i was with him um as a, as a child and then uh, when i you know left school and stuff um went into being a sales consultant and then Fast forward a few years and I, I got involved in business development and that's what I've done ever since really, help people, primarily small businesses, open doors with large companies. That's primarily what I've done. And sales is a pretty tough gig. I mean, I'm marketing, so I'm kind of a, a bit involved, but on the other end. Um, but sales is traditionally quite a tough gig. You need a lot of resilience to be good at it. Yeah. I mean, interestingly, I sort of see myself sat between marketing and sales because I've always worked in the in, in the bit that feeds activity to people who will then go and sell, if you like. So um, in many ways, what I've done is primarily telemarketing, if you like, so marketing, but it kind of it kind of bridges the two. So it, 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 it's a it's a cold introduction. So it's, it's salesy in that way. Um, but it's it's kind of marketing in that I'm not really trying to sell anything other than an idea or a concept or or, or um, uh, you know the the idea that it might be worth a conversation really at that point. So you're the person who rings up the cold caller, shall we say, and uh, asks people whether they want to talk about something. Is that accurate? 
Yeah, I mean, that that's kind of what I have done for the past 15 years. And I'm sort of moving away from that now, doing more kind of training, more consulting in terms of helping people to do that themselves internally and also to do other things. Um, but yeah, I suppose so. I kind of slightly cringe when you say that because I think there's an association with that activity that's not necessarily a positive one. Um, and I, I suppose I'm kind of um, fighting the battle of uh, and, and, and leading the parade to, to do things a bit differently. Yeah, and I, I suppose I kind of chose that terminology um, on purpose because it is quite polarising for people. You know, when you say cold caller, people's immediate reaction is like, oh, you know, I hate them. I, I can't be bothered with them. They're annoying. But it's still something. Right. Yeah. Well, it, it depends on the way it's done, I, I guess. And obviously it's something you've kind of made a career out of. Yeah, no, no, that's cool. 100% though, what, what, um, just touching back on what you just said then, 100% you, I agree that there is a, a, an association with those people being annoying, pushy, irritating, because most, not most, many of them are. There's some really good people, but there's lots of people who they go at it very much from what's in it for them rather than what's in it for the person they're calling. And they don't really have the respect or the consideration or any of the attributes that I feel that they should have in order to kind of do that. Yeah, because it definitely can be done in the right way. I've definitely experienced that. It's just, it's quite, yeah, it's quite rare. And when you do, you're like, huh, this is kind yeah. of weird. They're actually listening to me and uh, it's not a terrible connection and things like that. I think there's a number of differentiating points. One is, uh, who am I and how do I communicate with you? Do I listen to you? Do I, am I respectful? Do I ask you if it's a good time? You know, do I go about it the right way? And then there's other differentiating points, which is, you know, what does the business do? How do we stand apart? You know, and then, uh, you know, is it our pricing? Is it our model? Is it what we offer? So on and so forth. So without all of that stuff, I'm fighting the 20%, which is me as an individual, which is how I started out. So when I started Mm -hmm. out, the company I worked for at the time didn't really differentiate themselves in the marketplace. And it was really, as as lots of businesses um, uh, do, it was about the person making the call and how well they came across. That's really interesting because that's not something, I guess I kind of thought about in passing, but you know, it does make a difference whether you're personable. Yeah, I mean, I think I think um, personable personableness is, is is an aspect. I mean, I, I I talk about strands, so I imagine that the kind of biz dev rope. This is a really unusual analogy. is made up of lots of strands. So, and this is the same for probably all marketing. And and and, and, and I'm, I'm not a marketing expert, but I'm I'm sure you'll tell me if I'm wrong. Um, so uh, the first thing is. Um, how does what you do as a business relate to me? How does how do your specific so that's the first strand? How does the service that you offer um, relate to me? How does your track record with clients this is another strand relate to me? I.e., have you worked with my sort of industry? Have you worked with businesses that I know about? Is there another strand where you've actually worked with someone that I know? You know, so there's all these strands that you can pull in to make your rope stronger, i.e., your your pull stronger. Um, uh, and then obviously the person making the call is one or the message, you know, the skill of the the tweet or I don't know, you know, the email or whatever it is, you know, that people are using for marketing. So I see each one of these things being a really important strand. And the more strands you have and the stronger each of those strands are, the stronger the rope becomes and the the the, the better the pull. Yeah. And it's really interesting kind of thinking about that in terms of resilience in that that is what makes a rope resilient, multiple strands kind of entwined together. And one strand on its own potentially could break. But if you have them all, you have a much better kind of chance of success. 
And also, I'm really interested because, um, I mean, I try not to be, but I am often a bit rude with cold callers. It's understandable, right? I mean, you know, uh, it's frustrating. Yeah. And kind of how do you deal with that? And especially kind of, I think another thing people who are not sales are potentially scared of in the sales environment is being told no or go away and stuff like that. How do you deal with kind of that aspect of the job? Good question. So there's two things there. The first one is people being rude to you. And the second one is people saying no. The thing is, people are rude to you very often because of the fact that the way that you go about things in the first place is uh, is rude. If you think about interactions that you might have with like, parents, your loved one, your, your, you know, someone in the in the supermarket at lunchtime, when someone muscles in on your, you know, on the queue in front of you, you respond in a way that you might not want to respond. Then they respond in a way back that they might not want to respond and, and things escalate. And it's the same with a cold call. A lot of people who do cold calling, they'll start off a call by saying, um, oh, hi, uh, hi, Bethany, it's John here. I'm calling from ABC. And they don't show any respect. Yeah. So they're not showing any, you any respect. So why should you then show them respect is, you know, probably what might go on in your head. So the way I deal with people being rude to me is by minimising the chance of them being rude to me by being immensely polite and respectful. So if I make a call to somebody, the first thing I'll say is, oh, hi, Bethan, um, it's John here. Um, I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily say these exact words. Yeah. Um, calling from uh, Company X. Sorry, um, I should have asked, have I caught you at the right time? Is it, is it convenient just now? Have you got a second? And your natural reaction is, well, what's it about? You know, and I say, oh, yeah, sorry, I should have said, it's this. And you say, okay, I've got a second. And then you give me permission to speak and I speak for a second. And then you ask me a question and that gives me permission to speak more. And then I tell you some more. Um, it's really hard for you to be rude to me when I come at it from that angle. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I think if you approach it in that way, if you approach it in a way that's respectful or, you know, that's just one example. You might come in very quickly and say, oh, hi, Beth, I wanted to give you a, a call um, because I saw something on your, on your LinkedIn. Sorry, if, uh, my name is John. Have, have you got a second? Uh, these aren't great examples, by the way, and people that do cold calling will be listening to these and wincing, as I would be. Um, but but the example, the, the relevant point is it's about uh, showing respect for the person's time and creating some intrigue so that they then engage you in a conversation. Yeah, because it often feels like the way people kind of attack it, or when they call me anyway, they're kind of like, oh, hi, but I'm calling so-and-so, calling from da-da-da, and then they launch straight into it. So almost like not giving you a chance to be like, uh, um, I'm busy, please go away. Yeah, yeah, because they're scared. They're scared that if they give you the chance, to, if, they, if they take a breath and give them the chance, give you the chance to end the call, you will. But the converse is true. If I set yeah. the tone of the call and it isn't immediately salesy and I sort of say, oh, hi, Bethan, it's John here calling from uh, Company X. Oh, sorry. Uh, I realise I've called you out the blue. Is it, is it a convenient time? I, I thought what we do might be interesting to you in some way. Immediately, I'm not, like, you know, uh, spilling my, my offering. And already I've set the tone as more relaxed. So if you say to me, yeah, it's really not a good time, John, I'll say, great, okay, when, when is and then yeah. when we when we do talk, and, and, and 99 times out of 100, that will be now, but when we do talk, if it isn't a convenient time now, you'll be in such a better frame of mind. And yes, you know, you might lose, I don't know, 0.1% of people by doing that, but the people that you speak to are so much more receptive. Yeah, totally. And I think it's something that can be applied like in a wider context, because I've always found, you know, like, 
if you're being a bit cheeky in the shop and you're like saying like would you mind just going back and looking to see if you have an extra one of these and this size and you know it's going to be a bit of a bore ache for the person if you approach it in that way being like I'm so sorry do you have a moment um if you're available I was just wondering if you could help me out and you, you you're immediately giving them kind of the space to make the decision which makes them yeah. feel more empowered to eat yeah. and they can say no as well and that's fine yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, this gets me onto a whole different conversation that we probably haven't got time for today, which is about the disconnect between the person selling in a shop or, or, or the person offering a service in a shop and often the employer that they work for. Because if someone owns a business or runs a business or the person who's selling you the product understands that actually the process of going out the back to actually look for something for you is a gift because it helps them keep their job long long term and a macro thing then then yeah there's a different conversation to be had but i mean sorry that wasn't your point but 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 that is a a wider consideration the the value of that the work that goes in on our side on 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 the kind of cold calling side to to get a good quality lead is so intense and so and there's so much work that goes into it very often that you really start to value each one of those that's such an interesting perspective on it as well because it's a very like marketing perspective where you're aligning yourself to the customer you have good knowledge of the customer and then the second point is how do you deal with no i find it really easy so it's really like i i find it so easy it's kind of hard for me to understand why people would have a problem with it but i think it's about the level of personal association that you have to the thing that you're um promoting or marketing or or selling if you go in and you're sort of um and, and that doesn't mean that you don't believe in what you're selling. But if I come to you with product X and I say, oh, you know, this is what we've got. Are you interested? And you say, no, it's got nothing to do with me. Whereas I think often people feel that it's to do with them. Somehow they failed. Somehow they haven't. And I think a lot of that comes from the expectation that they need to sell because their sales management or their management up from them are telling them they have to sell. They have to hit target. They have to do this. They have to do that. Whereas if they're kind of much more, well, actually, you know, this is why I manoeuvred away from sales and into this kind of area is because then I'm not feeling pressured to necessarily sell because actually my only job is to make a really good impression with the person that I'm contacting at any given time and form a relationship for the long term. And then stuff comes from that. So that's probably why I kind of manoeuvred myself away from the sales and, you know, sales meetings and targets every five minutes to something that was kind of more long term and more relationship based. Yeah. And do you think then that companies should remove things like sales targets or have more meaningful targets like building relationships? And I know that's quite a contentious question, but I'm just really interested to hear your take on it. I I think it's a really difficult thing to answer. Um, And I think different people have different agendas. Um, I, I mean, personally, you know, like we've all got a sales target in some way. I mean, if, um, if, 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 if we don't, if we sell less, services per month than we, than we pay in salaries and bills and you know rent and so on and so forth that's a problem um but i think it would be a good thing if people could be more long-termist i think it would be a good thing if people could because i think what happens is it's a bit like fossil fuels you're using up all your fossil fuels now driving your car around well there won't be any left one day and i think brand is a bit like that in yeah. the people like sell, 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 sell at the expense of reputation and brand. And one day their brand won't be left because they're, they're so focused on the short term and that they do stupid stuff in the short term 
on a selling uh, from a selling perspective that then impacts the brand long term and impacts the reputation long term so i feel like you know if you think of it as capital and interest as in you know you've got capital in the bank and interest it's the same thing if you eat into your capital you're not going to have any left and it's the same with brand it's the same with reputation it's the same with fossil fuels it's the same with lots of other things yeah it's almost sustainable selling then yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah and another topic i really wanted to touch on with you and again kind of selfishly is general phone skills because this is something that up until pretty recently i was terrified of speaking to people on the phone and that seems to be i'm I'm not alone in that a lot of people really don't like talking to people over the phone and in person as well but i was just wondering if you had any tips on anyone to kind of help them master phone conversations maybe some of the awkwardness they feel stuff like that i think the biggest problem for people is mindset is is about how they feel about it um again it's quite hard for me to put myself in a position of somebody i mean i'm not great face to face with people I'm, i'm conscious about you know how i look or um you know stuff like that whereas on the phone it doesn't really faze me i would literally call any person anywhere and talk about anything as long as i felt that i was equipped to do so um so it's kind of hard for me to it's kind of hard for me to get into the shoes of somebody who who struggles with that conceptually i think it's about taking the 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 the, the pressure off it and the need for something to happen off it so if, if you can get into the right frame of mind that there's nothing really on it it's just a call it's just a chat it's just a conversation um and if you don't have a need to have a specific outcome as a result of that in the early days, I think that would be quite helpful too, because that would just help reduce. I think people get hyped up on the kind of what they need from it or how they need it to go. Um, so, I mean, uh, there's a few things that they could do. If uh, Are you thinking of sales conversations or are you thinking of more general conversations? I think more general, but maybe conversations where there, it's, there's a bit of adversarial conversation that needs to happen you know kind of like a bit of convincing where you're calling up let's say your mobile phone provider contract provider and you're trying to ask for a Mm -hmm. discount and stuff like that yeah well i mean like don't forget when it comes to your mobile phone provider you have the cards you know there's five six i don't know how many there are now including these kind of small offshoot brands and stuff but um you have the cards in your hand so uh, ultimately you can vote with your feet and go somewhere else if someone's you know in that in that regard it's kind of a buyer's market and um uh, you know you you have you have power um in a general sense non-sales but kind of adversarial um i mean i i think if you're someone who's scared by that you could do some role play with somebody you could have some techniques that you could use so um if you're someone who doesn't like to be put on the spot around something you know you don't want to be forced to make a decision you don't want to say something you don't want to say just learn a few stock phrases that you can kind of roll off to buy yourself time so you could say for example um you know if you take the example of the um of the mobile phone company you haven't got to make a decision on that on that yeah. on that call uh, so if you say oh well i need to speak to you know an person about that or just have some kind of stock phrases that help you buy time you know i want to have a think about that i think this happens on the reverse side on the sales side people get scared of salespeople because they think that by talking to them somehow they're going to get coerced into a sort of sale and end up buying something but if you just know your position before you go into it and anything that isn't your position you kind of um you know uh, agree to kind of not get drawn into too much then i think you can kind of take it offline have a think about it and then come back to it later on you know just 
some stock phrases where you can buy time and then come back to it later on is probably a good way of dealing with it if you're somebody who's worried about the kind of in the moment heat of things. Yeah, and I think another worry, well, this is a worry I definitely had, but was around Mm. kind of being articulate and also knowing what to say. So I think I'm much better in person because I like having the cues of how someone's looking and the facial expressions and on the phone, you know, you, you don't get any of that. You, you kind of left yeah. to the void. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting because I think I think, um, and I've heard this about people who are who are, and I'm not comparing myself to any of these people, or, or and it's pro- I'm probably going to get shot down for this. But if you're um, lacking some sense, um, uh, you know, if you're deprived of uh, sight or you can't hear, I've heard that your other senses kind of pick up the slack. And I think this is what happens when you're on a when you're on a call. If you're tuned into a call and you're not face to face with somebody, you focus on the very subtle things that people say, the very subtle things that people don't say. And maybe it's a practice. Maybe it's a you know just a, a case of doing it time and again. Um, so that's something that someone could do. They could they could try some low stakes calling. So if they've worried about, you know, learning to kind of adapt and learning to deal with things, they could try some lower stake stuff, you know, just call the AA and find out how much, you know, breakdown cover is going to be or, you know, whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, what I was saying, um, those cues are there when people speak. They're just, they're, they're audio. And if you can learn to tune into the what they're saying and the sounds that they're making and the way that they answer questions and ask the right questions to, and then listen to what they say back, I think you can achieve the same thing, maybe not the same thing, but you can face to face in terms of listening and looking for those subtle, subtle, subtle cues. Mm. I don't know if that really answers your question, by the way. No, no, it's really interesting because it's got me thinking about, you know, a lot of my communication is now kind of via text. So it's via like Slack or instant messenger Mm -hmm. or whatever. Do you think there is still a place for kind of phone calls in this really kind of text based tech world? it's interesting i mean i love you know i i I communicate as much as possible on on whatsapp um and because it's just easy i can just sort of you know it's you know i can use um uh, emojis and whatever else i just find it really easy to communicate that way most times i actually talk to my phone rather than type because i just find it quicker um and it also helps me realize how bad my accent is sometimes when it completely misunderstands me um but i do think there's a place i i I think I'm sure everyone's been at that place and maybe it's different for different generations because I know that there's some trend, you know, people say there's trends with different generations, but everyone's been in that place where you're six emails deep into a conversation and you think if I just speak to this person, I would have had a 10 second conversation and we would have just sorted it out there and then. But I think it's about using methods intelligently as well. So um, I don't use cold calling um, at the expense of email or email at the expense of cold calling i'm kind of neutral in terms of um what channels i use i try to use the channels that i think people will respond to so so i you know i think often with um that you know there's a big recruiter that, that that's you may or may not know online recruiter um i shan't name them but they insist on calling you know, I'm quite happy just to answer a question, a yes or a no via email. But no, they have to have a conversation. And I think there's a trend with some people who do cold calling that there's some extra merit in making a phone call. Um, and uh, I think it's just about understanding your prospect or, or your or your or your customer or your audience and communicating in a way that actually suits them. You know. 
yeah having that kind of personalized approach and I guess you could take that wider in just kind of general life you know often I think you know with friends like like you say on whatsapp and I'm like why didn't we just talk over the phone if we're making plans or something like that and it's having the kind of not it's not courage but almost being like look I'm just going to pick up the phone and you're going to have to talk to me on the phone (laughs) the next thing I was going to ask you is something that um I ask everyone who comes on the show and it's always really interesting to hear the different takes on this but what does resilience mean to you that's interesting I think I think resilience is about picking yourself up uh when something knocks you down that's that's that uh, now I haven't looked at a dictionary so I have no idea what the actual definition of resilience is um but my my sense is that resilience is about um not being flattened permanently by something that tries to flatten you once. <laughs> That's a really good, kind of nice and succinct. I I have no idea what the dictionary definition is. That's why I, I ask people, because <laughs> I think it means different things to different people in different kind of lines of work and it, just in different kind of mindsets. And I don't think there is one definition. That's what I'm learning. Thanks so much, John, for coming on the show. It's It's been a super interesting episode and actually really useful for me. I feel already a bit better equipped to kind of, A, deal with cold callers, but also have a go myself at kind of being on the phone and talking to a prospect. And I'm doing that with air quotes, but that could be anyone. So if people wanted to find out more about you and your work, where would they go to? The best place to probably find me is LinkedIn, because I seem to be quite active on there at the moment, just, uh, you know, spilling my thoughts from time to time. Or if anyone who's listened to this has questions or or wants to talk specifically about how this relates to them, I'm really happy to, you know, if they connect with me on LinkedIn, I'm really happy to answer any questions or, 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 or uh, you know, address anything that's come to mind or anything that they weren't clear about. I'm happy to answer anything. That was really interesting. I actually picked up quite a few tips from that, um, even though it's something I've had to do quite a lot and I thought I was reasonably good at. So thank you so much, John, for coming on the show and sharing. If you enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate it if you could um, review and rate. What that means is essentially I get some feedback on whether you liked it or not. And also due to kind of algorithms and all that fun stuff, it means the podcast is recommended to more people. So more people can kind of get the advice and hopefully receive knowledge that's useful to them. That's why I'm doing this at the end of the day. And finally, um, in new news, I've actually started doing a newsletter each week and essentially this came about because I because I do the podcast I read a lot of stuff around resilience because I'm trying to research topics people to come on stuff like that and I come across some really good stuff articles podcasts books and I thought I'd package it all up into a newsletter each week if people were interested which apparently some people are it's not just my mum which is great and I also include a little personal essay in there as well so if you want to find that if you head to substack that's what I'm using as my newsletter platform of choice so the brave on substack gosh I can't even talk now all that thinking about talking on the phone um so if you head to substack you can find us there and you can also find the brave on twitter at the brave listen or on facebook if you type in the brave podcast it'll come up there and you can also find us online at bethanvincent.com slash the brave podcast because yes i am too cheap (laughs) to pay for another domain actually someone's got the domain i want which is really really sad but anyway you can find all the details there and the newsletter on there as well Until next time, I will leave you there. I hope you have an amazing day.